Hello, you're listening to the Life's Too Short podcast with me, Sarah McGinn. I believe that grief has the power to change your life forever. Your beliefs, your desires, your motivators, your purpose. And I want to speak with people who've also experienced great grief in their lives. What can we learn from people who have lived through the unimaginable? How do we ensure that we're making the most of our time here? Because as we all know, life is too short. My mum, Anne, died in October 2020 of breast cancer. The grief has been more painful, more traumatic, more life-changing than I could have anticipated. I was also nine months pregnant when my mum died and gave birth just a week later to my daughter, Annie. I literally never could have imagined that was what life had in store for me. Over the past 12 months, I have seriously considered what life is actually about, what's important to me, where do I want to focus my time and energy, where do I want to go, what is my path in life now, and when the inevitable happens, which it will, but hopefully many, many, many years down the line, will I be satisfied with how I spent my time here? Only you know like what the next step is for you or each of our journeys are so unique and I think just trust that inner guidance like above all. On today's episode, I speak with Sinead Keane about her wonderful dad, Joe. Sinead's dad died by suicide when she was just in her early 20s. Today, she talks about how his death and the revelations post his death have led her to a higher understanding of pain, lightness and life. She discusses the ancient Irish tradition of keening, how grief is truly primal and about how working on your inner child can help you heal. This is a really, really special episode and one that stayed with me in the days after I spoke with Sinead. This episode does deal with suicide and sexual abuse and may not be suitable for all listeners, so please be mindful. Hi Sinead, welcome to this episode of Life's Too Short. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure on our side, absolutely. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of kind of vulnerability to be able to talk so openly about such a personal story. So I'm really, really happy that you've decided to come on. On each episode, I'd like to kick off by learning a bit more about your person. So in this case, it's about your lovely dad. I'd love to hear about who he was. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. And lovely to actually talk about his life and who he was as a character. So my dad's name was Joe. He was born and grew up in West Limerick. So he had a real rural upbringing and one of eight children. Um, lived on a farm. So life was life was busy. Yeah. And he was the oldest son. So I'm sure in ways that probably carried its own expectations. Mm-hmm. He met my mum when he was about, I'm going to say around like 20. And soon after that, after maybe a year or two of dating, um, they headed off to the States. So they went to San Francisco and they lived there for 10 years and it's where me and my siblings were born and from what I've heard it seems like they had just such an active lifestyle like my dad was like his body was his temple like he was so um into fitness and taking care of himself so he was one of the founding members of Nave Podrick which is a a GA club that's still running in San Francisco oh wow he's very proud of that yeah, so that was like a big part of their life and the Irish community there. Um, and he worked as an electrician and he worked really, really hard. Like he was very driven and I guess really wanted to offer his family like a good standard of, of living and, mm-hmm. you know, a good lifestyle. And um, he was that real, I guess, masculine provider. And 
I guess in terms of my relationship with him, you know, I was the youngest, so I was the baby. <laughs> I was always his baby. Like he wouldn't call me that, but I always I always knew, like, you know, and um we'd have a lot of fun together, like we'd go like play a bit of hurling and mm -hmm. he'd never ever criticize us like he thought we were the best things in size pen his three children like so he was loyal like I mean beyond what I've ever seen he was just so um protective and proud of us and told us that but also like you could just feel it bursting out of him but the one the one time that he criticized not criticized but kind of points up out is like if he felt like do you know that like maybe I wasn't getting an ex enough exercise or anything? Like, come on now, you go running with me now, you go running. And like we do you know, like that is some of my fondest memories of him. Just like and I think anyone who's lost somebody might resonate with this that it's often just the simple things that you can miss the most. And like mm -hmm. it's that, like just being out like on the road running and just having a laugh, like because he'd pretend that we were um running a horse race and like that he'd always win anyway like he'd always be first to the line and he'd be kind of commentating you know so I suppose like sport was a huge part of his life and as a result of our upbringing like a proud Limerick man and we would have been taken off to all of the matches and um, that was what his interests were and all of that just to I suppose also shared that he really, really had his challenges in life. And whilst he offered us so much love and unconditional support, like you always knew he was there and you could turn to him. There was always a sense that like he was there, but that there was a lot going on in his mind that like mm -hmm. sometimes there was a lack of presence. So his body was there, but it was almost like his awareness wasn't fully with you. So that was that was hard. And I, I guess as I got older, I was able to understand that better. I would say like he had very high morals, like he was mm. a really, really good, honest man, like just wanted to do his best in life and very much embodied love and kindness for others. And I, I, I think now that was possibly a reflection of his own inner struggles that he knew mm life wasn't easy and I guess everyone's out there doing their best. Yeah, so that's a little summary yeah. and dad and the life yeah. of, of Joe. Well, it, you've given such a good explanation of who your dad was and he sounds really fun. You guys had a really fun, really loving relationship. And then also, like, I know you spoke there and you spoke really beautifully about how there can be a complicated side to people or almost kind of two sides to people. So you have your really fun, loving, go-getting dad and then someone who internally was going through a lot of complications and a lot of challenges themselves. I'm wondering, would you be comfortable maybe talking a bit further about kind of what his personal challenges were? Absolutely fine if you're not. Yes, I I totally am. And um it actually became clearer after his passing, which is something I'm so, so grateful for because mm -hmm. it added more jigsaw pieces together, if that makes sense. So okay. I guess for the listeners, my, my dad passed away by suicide in 2017, August 2017. When that happens, there's obviously so many questions. And thankfully very quickly within a couple of weeks through yeah lots of um synchronicities and through 
conversations he had had leading up to his death, we got a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle. And I think oh, I was I was actually only reflecting on this this morning before mm. coming on the podcast, how blessed we were or we are that we got those answers, you know. And of course, I don't know if you'll ever get all the answers, but we got a really good understanding or deeper understanding. So mm-hmm. I am so grateful for that. After his passing, we discovered that he had been abused, sexually abused as a child. And personally, I feel that this is so common in Ireland, or Mm. especially Ireland of the past, you know. Yeah. And it's something that the light needs to be shone on and is being Mm. shone on, but needs to continue to be shone on because the impact of that is just, oh, like, huge and just so so painful you know and I guess as his daughter like to discover that like it just crushed my heart as much as his passing did all over again if that I didn't even think that was possible that my heart could break anymore but like I suppose just thinking of that little child within him and I was a I was training to be a psychotherapist when he passed so I was very aware of inner child work Mm -hmm. and you know, the fact that we carry like that little child that was once, you know, our younger self within us and, you know, they're part of us. And I guess it made sense because I probably saw that little child within him sometimes, you know, I saw how he felt lost or alone or not enough, not good enough. And it just, it really started to make sense. And I guess Mm -hmm. our family had, there was experiences around sexual abuse in other ways and Mm -hmm. he would have been very very angry about that and looking for justice and I suppose that's I spoke about morals his morals you know he just couldn't see injustices occurring in this world like it just tapped so much into the injustice that he felt within Mm -hmm. and you know it was almost like he was trying to get justice for himself through other experiences in life that's one major experience we became aware of that happened in his younger days. And, oh God, I just wish he'd have told us and, you know, opened up in that way because then I really feel like he could have got the empathy and the support from his family that he truly deserved because there was always a lack of understanding as to like Mm -hmm. the anger around injustices and all of that. So that is something I just feel things could have been so different if he shared that. And look, That wasn't his path um, or he chose not to. That's, I guess, I feel the origin of his struggles um, and how that showed up in the adult man that was my dad was, you know, a lot of withdrawal, a lot of like, you could just tell he was in his head. And I think it's quite a strong word, but I feel like there were days where he felt quite tormented by Mm -hmm. his head, you know, it was Mm -hmm. just an inner torment that I think none of his family will ever fully understand the depth of. And we may understand in our own experience, our own life experience of what torment feels like. But yeah, in terms of what was going on within him, that's as much as we know. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. And firstly, I just want to say I'm so, so sorry to hear that. And for you Mm -hmm. as a family to kind of find that out afterwards, you talk about your heart breaking again. And I can only Mm -hmm. imagine the type of pain that that brought you and that brought your poor dad, you know, did, um, 
Did anybody know? Did he share that with anybody before he passed? Or it was very much, uh, he didn't want to burden people. Mm. But I don't know, obviously put words in your mouth. Yeah, so actually the day before his passing, he shared it with a a kind of, I suppose, a family friend who was also actually a trained therapist. So once the funeral had settled and a little bit of time had passed, he came to share that with the extended family because he would have been kind of a childhood friend, I guess. So no, up until that point, as far as we're aware, he had never shared that with anybody. And he was in therapy. Like my dad was, (laughs) my dad was kind of a man, like, ahead of his time essentially yeah, like yeah. I see him almost as a leader in terms of like men's mental health like he yeah. we would have like amazing philosophical chats all the time and he definitely had grown a lot like he had done a lot of inner work and he was a man of like a really strong deep faith okay so that definitely ha- helped in his passing you know knowing that he had such a strong faith and um i believe though that he just couldn't look at this piece that this was just too painful for him to go to and i'm also aware as i speak about that that like you know for those listening if anybody has mm-hmm. been touched by this experience that like you can open up about this and Mm -hmm. I've seen it through my own work the amazing results and like you can heal a lot from that and Mm -hmm. you okay you can change that that happened but you can draw a huge strength from the fact that you're still here and like you know that you can learn and grow through that and through connecting with your inner self so I always believed that that was available to him and unfortunately he just he couldn't do that he'll be past six years now but I even feel like in those six years so much has changed god like in that six years in Ireland in terms of mental health and yeah it's interesting how much can change in a short period of time and I definitely hold hope for the future going forward for the men and women of Ireland. Yeah and you're absolutely right and and I suppose for yourself you're probably so much more aware of all the changes that have happened because it has been in the space since your dad has passed. You know Mm -hmm. you look at some of the older generation in Ireland and you kind of think how things might have been different if they had Mm -hmm. had the types of support that maybe we have now when they were growing up or when they were our ages or whatever that might be and it's quite sad. Yeah and I think as like the children of that generation and you know going on to the grandchildren now Mm. and I think it's like to bring an understanding to that because sometimes it can be really difficult like to understand the disconnect that we see in people that I used to experience with my dad sometimes the withdrawal and it's it can be really difficult to understand that but yeah. talking about these topics brings a deeper understanding and a more and and as a result healing and more empathy maybe for what the previous generations have lived through and also what we carry within us because we are their children and we are and grandchildren and beyond you know so in terms of they're part of our ancestry and so that's passed on to us through Mm -hmm. our DNA and then also through our upbringing you know like being raised in by a dad who used to withdraw sometimes they're just using that as an example like so it impacts all of us so it's also having compassion for ourselves that it's like god yeah that actually impacted me as well it makes so much sense like I'm thinking of like personal experiences in my life and you know older members of family I'm like oh I get it now you know you're so right it is around empathy and it's around understanding that you're not always going to understand 
because you don't know you weren't there you don't know what they've been through you don't know how different life was for them yes time for a really quick break this episode is proudly brought to you in partnership with new mindfulness brand pause penny their gratitude and manifestation products help to simplify your at-home mindfulness practices over the last year i really started to think about my own wellness But to be honest, mindfulness was not something I'd ever really thought about. It's not something that I considered for myself. But what I love about the Pause Penny Gratitude Packs is that it allows me that time to focus, to take a break and think about what brings me joy in the everyday. And that's something I really needed. So if you have been looking to invest in your mindset, invest in your positivity in 2023, then head to pausepenny.com or check them out on Instagram at pause.penny. Now back to the chat. I want to kind of bring it back to the days and weeks and months after your dad's passing. And I feel that there's this misconception that grief is this nice and easy timeline where you hop on mm-hmm. here and then you hop off here and in, in as much detail as you want to give or as little detail as you want to give. How did you find the grief in the beginning? Because you were really dealing with a double huge shocks of your dad mm-hmm. passing and then kind of finding out his struggles and his challenges. So how did it kind of manifest for you in the beginning? In the initial days, like I just crumbled. Like it's really, it's interesting to kind of nearly observe a family that's grieving. It's almost like people can take on different roles. Um, mm. But I just shattered and crumbled um, at the time. Like I cried and cried and cried. I, I cried, I wailed. I probably, you know... <laughs> in some ways maybe scared some people that were around at that time because I just couldn't control what was coming through my body and like coming up and out through me. It was just, found myself almost making sounds or that that I never knew possible. Like what, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just rising from my core up and out. I, I say I couldn't keep it in. I didn't try to keep it in actually. So I really just expressed that pain and it was horrendous. Like, and it's something you just can't fathom or for me anyway it it was what happened in my body like it was feeling things I never knew possible like Mm. it was just overcome so I was just it just felt like there was just a huge hole inside of me like very quickly and just so much grief just just trying to get through the you know I guess the funeral and do what needed to be done but you know finding that very difficult um and my um nervous system was just so shook I was in fight flight all the time like somebody could walk in the door and I'd leap off the chair just on edge like after that it was just like oh my god after dad's burial it's like where do you go from here like I, I remember coming home like the evening of his funeral and just I think that was nearly the worst evening. Like, uh, I don't know if you can say the worst, but it was a bad evening. And it was like, you know, at least with the funeral, there was something to do or you had, you know, we had his body and I could Mm. sit with him and all of that. But it was like, okay, it's all just done now. Like, you know, and I suppose after that, like the mental impact, the physical Mm. impact, like I was just shattered. Like I just needed to like, sleep and just be on the couch and like I yeah I wasn't able to get up and out like I just crashed basically so I took a couple of weeks off work in hindsight I probably wish I took longer Mm. if I knew then what I know now 
I guess I I kind of felt like, okay, I need to get back to work and try and bring a bit of structure. And I suppose maybe in ways that did help distract me sometimes, you know, being in work. But in other ways, like I think possibly I was pushing my body to do something that like it just didn't really have the energy to do. And I think it's in subsequent years I've probably processed that exhaustion, particularly in the last year I've needed to rest so much. So like this is year that would have been year five like the fifth year after his passing Mm -hmm. I needed so much rest like so much so that like I'd rest and I'd be like okay I've rested now and then you'd be like my body would be like no more rest you know (laughs) so can't get enough rest (laughs) oh honestly like it was just yeah but I I do think that was part of it as Mm -hmm, well like that mm -hmm. just that exhaustion mentally physically and then like as the years started to pass on like I'm just processing it all on a deeper level now. Like, right. so, okay, it mightn't be as raw as as it was. Like, the, the I guess, the physical loss. Like, his, mm-hmm. him not being here. I think that was the huge part at the beginning. Now it's like, it can just hit in the most random moments. Like, and sometimes, like... I'd be anticipating it at like an event or, you know, a big life moment. Um, but it can just be an ordinary day like that. I, yeah. You know, I'm not doing anything out in the ordinary and I'm just like, oh, I just wish dad was here. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. or just like something only the other day I thought about, like he used to always walk around the back of the house and somebody walked around the back and I was like, oh, dad used to do that. Like, and I used to just love seeing him passing the window, coming in the door, like, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it's the littlest things like mm-hmm. that, you know, and I'm sure yeah. you can relate to that, Sarah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the smallest, most unexpected things and you're just kind of gone, which is so difficult. When you were talking about the first year there, the word that really sprung to mind about the grieving journey was how primal it is mm, you're out of control mm-hmm. like when you were talking about these sounds that you're making it was like bringing me back to like moments where you'd be breaking down and you'd hear what you think was like an animal cry from somewhere and then you realize mm-hmm. that it was you and you're like I've, mm. I've never heard myself make these noises before I never thought it was possible like the literal definition mm-hmm. of wailing it takes over every part of you (laughs) but there's something really beautiful in allowing yourself to do that like allowing the primal nature of our Mm. of our bodies or beings to take over and express and like yeah I don't know if I'd feel as good day to day if I hadn't allowed that primal Mm. part of grief to really just almost become my life in a weird way but like I know that grief is a huge part of my journey here and a huge part of my work here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of the old practice in Ireland that is called, it's, I suppose it's essentially an art. It's called keening. Have you ever heard of it? No, I don't think so. A group of women who were called keeners would come to a funeral and they would express the grief of the family. Oh, and wow. It's to watch on someone might think almost that they're putting on a performance but yeah. from my own experience and learning my sense is actually they're tapping into the the emotion and energy that's in the space and expressing it through them it can come through as like a lament like almost like a song mm-hmm. it can come through as wailing it can come through as shouting it can come through like as like 
you know, moving the body. Like, you know, this is actually something that's like really part of our culture, like deep within and has been somewhat lost, but is actually coming back right now. There is an amazing woman doing incredible work on this um, called Geraldine Ahern down in County Kerry. And she's almost part of a lineage and she's running training in this. And I then realized that like, Actually, it's in my name. So my surname is Sinead Keen. Oh, yeah. And like this art of keening, like I have to continue on my own grief journey to be able to facilitate grief work even deeper. Mm-hmm. But I, I just picture like 20 years down the line that like I know I'll be part of this work on a really deep level in the country and offering this expression for the people of Ireland because it's just something you can't put into words, Sarah. And I know yeah. that I, I feel and know that you you get that, you understand that. I absolutely do. And I think I'd never come across this expression of keening. It sounds wonderful. And to have people or a group of people and really what it's, it's helping you carry the load of your grief because grief is incredibly heavy. And that's why I feel, you know, People need that support in many different shapes and forms. And I suppose this is what this podcast is about as well. It's like, you know, figuring out on everyone's unique grief journey, how they cope, I suppose, and or mm-hmm. how they struggle through it. Not everyone's coping, which I thought was interesting yourself as well. And I, I know it's five years, but five years in the grand scheme of things is actually a really short amount of time as well. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. way that you're able to talk about your grief journey what are the the greatest changes to your life path since your dad passed? My faith, like I'm just so, so deeply connected to my faith and mm. to spirit and to my dad and not just my dad beyond that, just to the spirit realm that like that has become for me that is life like they're Mm -hmm. just so interconnected that like yeah my dad for me like his he's everywhere now for me you know um and yes his physical body isn't here I can't hold his hand and you know what even as I say that like that actually I can feel it that almost choking me up in my throat because like I just love to hold his hand or give him a big hug or walk the beach with him. Like, so that pain for that physical loss, like, I don't know if it ever fully goes away, Mm -hmm. but I feel him every minute of the day. Like he's with me all the time and like, what a gift that is. But with regards, I suppose my path and my, I suppose you could say my career, but like, it's it's a way of life for me now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was training to be a psychotherapist and this was when my dad passed. I really then wanted to come into the body more. So like in my Mm -hmm. psychotherapy training, yes, we do body work, but there was a lot of science. There was a lot of head stuff, a lot of cognitive stuff. And I really wanted to come more into the body and into the spiritual realms. Because for me, when dad passed, I just could not accept that our relationship and our connection had now ended. I still felt him in some level and I received so many signs from him. That definitely changed the course of my training. So I found like yoga and meditation were helping me so much in my journey. Like they might give me five minutes of presence or, you know, just um, to not be thinking about his passing or not feel just totally overcoming the pain. Like I might at the end of a yoga class 
drift off into a place of relaxation. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, oh, this is what's keeping me going. Like, so I wanted to go deeper into that. So that's where my training, you know, went off in another direction. I finished my therapy training and I went on to train as a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. I trained in Reiki, energy healing. And then in the past year, I've gone on to train as a shamanic practitioner, which is, you know, deep, deep spiritual work. Yeah. So that really changed the course of my life. I suppose I was always in that line of work of, you Mm -hmm. know, working with the mind-body connection. But I went deeper into that and really deepened into the realms of the soul also. And so for that, I'm so grateful for my grief journey. Like, you know, I I wouldn't change my my path because it's made me who I am. And it's it's part of just who, who I am as a person and what I'm here to do, you know. Like I'd, I'd change bringing my dad back if I could, but mm. then that would that would change everything in my life too. So, you know, it's, it's and I, I see this with clients like, you know, we can go through the most adverse experiences. And when I ask, you know, about like who you are now and who they are now and the strength they've taken, you know, very few people would change their journey because it's, it's made them who they are you know so I guess that's how it's really shaped me Sarah. That is so interesting and particularly around the kind of spirituality and the faith side of things because we've never been hugely religious but Mm. after mum died priest who came around and and he was amazing absolutely one of the kindest people I've ever met but I really Mm, any little faith I had in religion kind of went fairly quickly but after mum passed, I started exploring spirituality, where we go. It's definitely been one thing that has helped me over the last couple of years because I suppose I really wanted to know that I want I would be with my mum again. And I needed to know that. So I was looking for like proof and evidence. And Can I ask you, Sarah, can I ask you like, you know, mm. how, do you feel you've received signs from your mom or like, can you, can you feel her with you or what, where are you at with that right now? I find it hard to feel her with me for sure. I just mm. don't know if I'm like, there's like this kind of like, like a critical disbelieving part of my brain that I'm trying to get over mm-hmm. but in terms of signs 100% like for ages I was I'd see something it's like no no definitely not definitely not um, and then just kept happening kept happening kept happening and then I actually I spoke to a medium recently and she was like your mom is telling me that she keeps sending you signs and you keep saying <laughs> oh no no that's just a coincidence and she wants you to know it's not a coincidence <laughs> and she's sending you the signs so <laughs> um, so yeah I'm going to be try, try be more open there was one time where I was on holidays with my sisters and all the grandkids and every time I went into a room we'd, I just could feel someone behind me and I turned around there was nobody there wow. and I didn't say it to my sisters at the time I said it to them afterwards because you know I didn't know how open other people are kind of talk about these things but so this was the first holiday myself mm. too my sisters and all the grandkids were going on and that we hadn't been on since mom had passed so it was very much like well of course mom wasn't gonna miss that do you know mm-hmm. oh gosh I get very emotional now. <laughs> mm-hmm. when I say like personal grieving journey the next person I talk to could be like nope absolutely not the connection is is over because it kind of ends mm-hmm. do you know did you have um, this faith in spirituality before your dad passed or was it something you picked up? Is it something that you mm. developed afterwards? Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I know that the firsts are, are often 
really, really difficult. Um, mm. You know, the first holiday. Yeah. yeah, it's really they're really, really hard. With regards my faith, I guess it wasn't very prominent. So, or like I shared my questioning about life that deepened and it brought that inquisitive part of me even forward more and um my dad would have would have spoken a lot about life and the meaning of life and all that so i remember going to a medium a year after he passed so i hadn't like been to anybody before that mm-hmm. And like the stuff that she said was just so accurate that like I just took so much comfort and it was actually leading up to my sister's wedding, which was obviously a huge day for all of us. And the fact that dad wasn't there. I remember at that time, though, saying, "Okay, look, if if this is all not true, just a load of crap, like at the time, I remember saying, I don't care. Like, like, I think I paid 50 euros for that session. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's the best 50 euros I've ever spent because it brought me so much peace and comfort. And like, I think that's what you need when you're going through the depths of it. Like, it's just a bit of hope and comfort to get through the next day, the next week, you know? So at the time, like, that's how I saw it. And now I... I have come so far in that journey myself because I guess I can, I connect with spirit myself, like through uh, my shamanic work and um, I guess my own spiritual practice that Mm -hmm. I can feel spirit. I can see spirit. So I know now that I, I know with every part of my being that it's real and I don't need to go to somebody outside of myself anymore. I don't need to go to a medium or a palm reader or anything like that because I can access that depth of unconditional love and connection and interconnectedness of life from my own sitting room, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that has been honestly the biggest gift, like to live my life so connected with with everything around me, like with the elements, which I, and for me, nature is spirit. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I don't need, I don't feel the need. And again, like I love how you said that that each person's journey is so unique, and I respect everybody's what what you need to do to access a state of peace or connectedness. And and for me, it's nature. Like I feel like just life force is everywhere within nature. And for me, that that makes me feel so connected to all of life, including the afterlife, and including you know the souls that have walked this earth and that are are now, you know, residing in the afterlife. So, um, yeah, so like that is, that has just become such a huge part of my life. And like, I have every faith that like, that they are still with us and that they're literally, they just want us to be, you know, to live our lives and to like, I I think a big thing with grief as well can be guilt, you know, guilt Mm -hmm. for getting on with life and maybe even feeling joy again or laughing or, you know, there can be a guilt that comes with that. But like, you know, I really feel that our loved ones just want us to be happy and to live life to the full and to, and like, that was definitely one thing that really shaped me as well was just like, God, like this life is so short and like, I just need to do what I want to do and not let like other people's judgment or that stop me, you know, yes. and like yeah. 
just get out there and live it like and do what I'm feeling called to like for example I've just made the move to the a move to the west coast of Ireland for a little mm-hmm. while it's like why not like just yes. just do it like why you know why why put it off why yeah. put it off to the future because we don't know what's out there and I imagine from your case Sarah you know if your mom you know became ill very unexpectedly and time like changes when mm-hmm. when you lose somebody and um, when you experience grief like I remember thinking how if I'm to live to like eight years how can I live with this pain yes. but equally time is so precious because it's like mm-hmm. god like you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so yeah. time changes and becomes strange um, I think when you experience grief. Well you touched on there living your life that way that you want to without joy and doing the things that you want to do now because life is short life is precious Mm -hmm. is something that I've really felt over the last year and that's probably been one of the reasons why I started this podcast as well Mm. but I feel like when I look back now and I know you mentioned earlier you try not live in hindsight and regret I'm trying to get to that place but um, some days Mm. you know regret is all I can think about but I look back to my previous life and I'm like I was spending so much time on the wrong things or the non-important mm-hmm. things. Like, like I feel now that I've wasted time and, you know, wasted time with my mom or wasted time in the most important things that you should be focusing on in your life. Wasting time on caring what people thought about me, wasting mm-hmm. time doing the wrong career shift. And now, like, I feel like I'm getting to a better place, like, I'm concentrating on kind of being freelance and concentrating on doing this, spending more time with my family, like all these important things in life. I'm like trying not to worry about not finances, obviously you need finances, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, do the things now. Don't put them off because you just, you never know what's going to happen. And like, like, I think sometimes if people haven't gone through grief, they're like, oh my God, that's so morbid. But it's like, you know what? (laughs) It could happen to anyone at any time, at any stage. Mm Mm. But it sounds like just from listening to you that like that your journey with grief has brought like a freedom with it as well to mm. just do the things and to make the changes, you know, like to to live more, to to live more fearlessly. That's absolutely it. Shade, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. I realise we've probably run over time there a little bit, but this conversation has just been so interesting. So thank you. Is there anything that you know now or do now that you wish you had done before or wish you had known before? Well, yeah, I guess to just live more fearlessly, like to do what I really want to do and let go of like what I should be doing. I just hate that word, should. Because like, who says that I should be doing anything? You know, Mm. it's like just living more for me rather than for society or that unspoken template of life that's out there around like ticking all these boxes in a row you know life is yours to make and create and shape in your unique way and like Mm -hmm. nobody actually knows what they're doing and if you choose to copy somebody else's template of life like it's very likely that it won't bring you the giant fulfillment that you're seeking because only you know like what the next step is for you or you know where you're being guided on your journey like each of our journeys are so unique and I think just trust that inner guidance like above all and of course like it's important to talk things through with loved ones or like 
you know, professionals if that's needed. But often the most powerful things that like a professional can do is to hold the space for you and help you navigate what's within you because we have everything we need within to guide us forward and forth. And um, yeah, I guess I, I knew that more. I wish I wasn't looking outside of myself for guidance and answers. Yeah. It's not to attract outside attention, but it naturally organically happens when we're living a life of alignment and fulfillment mm-hmm. and our life, our unique path that exists, you know, only for us and that is unfolding as we take each step. And I think that's when we can become really inspiring for other people. And I think what what inspires them is the fact that they can see or sense that like, you're living a life that's lighting you up like you're glowing from the inside out they want to do the same and they can do the same and each one of us has the power to do that the guidance that is most important is that voice within that and I I don't mean that that critical voice it's the whisper that's within that's like you know why don't you go live by the sea you know that's the answer to that (laughs) you have put like so eloquently these ideas that have been going around my head over the last probably year. So it's brought me so much comfort (laughs) talking to you today. It's been so lovely. And I think people listening in will also get so much comfort and information and education from your journey. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about your lovely dad, Joe, and your own grieving Mm. journey and just all this insight that you have. It's been really wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. You can follow us on Instagram under Life's Too Short Podcast to keep up to date on new releases. And if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider liking and subscribing on whatever platform you are listening on. It really helps us kind of get out there and reach more ears as a new podcast. Thank you so much to Sinead for coming on the show. Her courage and her vulnerability in telling her story just it blew me away when I was talking to her. I feel I've gained so many learnings from her in my own grief journey. And if you'd like to connect with Sinead, or work with Sinead, you can visit her at rememberwhoyouare.ie or rememberwhoyouare.ie on Instagram. Sinead's trained in a number of modalities, including counselling and psychotherapy, Celtic shamanism, Reiki and yoga. And she's also currently developing a piece of ancestral land in West Limerick. And she kind of envisions it as a place that people come together, they connect with their ancestral roots, they do a lot of work with Sinead and it just sounds so interesting. And then just some final words to leave you with. Take stock of what's important to you. Take stock of the people you want to be spending time with or the things that you want to be spending time on because really life is just too short.